Welcome to Leading with Curiosity. Command and control leadership is dead. We interview leaders, entrepreneurs, and executive coaches challenging old paradigms and fostering cutting-edge leadership. Here's your host, certified executive coach, Nate Leslie. Hey listeners, welcome to Leading with Curiosity. My guest today, Mark Carpenter, got his start in marketing communications and public relations. He was a college professor, corporate facilitator. Um, His book, Master Storytelling, Turning Your Experiences into Stories that Teach, Lead, and Inspire, have led to this super fun conversation today where we explore the power of storytelling, the intent, the neuroscience of it, and its ability to build trust within the team and helping people, just like coaching does, come to their own conclusions and lessons. Uh, Yeah, we had a lot of fun exploring these different avenues, and it was a pleasure. It's Mark Carpenter, author of Master Storytelling, How to Turn Your Experiences into Stories that Teach, Lead, and Inspire. Mark Carpenter, welcome to Leading with Curiosity. Thank you so much, Nate. I'm just thrilled to be here with you. Uh, as I've listened to a couple of the episodes of your podcast, there's a couple of things that really resonate with me. The first is in that intro that everybody just heard about how the command and control style of leadership is dead. I, I When I first heard that on your podcast, I, I was like jumping up and down for joy <laughs> that <laughs> other people see that the same way that I do. And the other statement is going to be on the outro that everybody will hear in a little while. And that is about how our brains behave differently when they're invited or encouraged to think rather than told to listen. And and that just, that just resonates with my heart because I totally believe that. And, And that's why I'm in the world that I'm in and teaching people how to use storytelling as a way to teach, lead and inspire because that's what's going to encourage people to think. And it gets us past that command and control style of leadership. So thank yeah. you for the work that you're doing and for setting a foundation that uh, that I think is, is fantastic. Thanks, Mark. You know, your master storytelling, your book, I can see the cover over your shoulder. We'll link to it in the show notes. You know, I see this light bulb exploding. Like, let's let's go there right off the hop here. The difference between receiving instruction or receiving info from a from a document or or in a course to to turning it into story what is so compelling for you about it and and one thing you can't see from this distance with the cover of the book is that little light bulb there it's a bunch of people it's all made up of little people Mm -hmm. and and so it really ties into how our brains work and how our brains think you know that that idea of inviting people to think rather than telling them to listen. Story will do that. Think about this. Have you been around little children very much? Ever around like a toddler? An entire career of it for a while? Yeah, go for it, yes. Okay, okay. (laughs) So what's like the one question you hear all the time from like four or five, six-year-old kids? What's the the one word question that always comes out? Yeah, say it again. Why? 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 We are a curious species. Nobody tells little kids, ask why a lot. They come curious. Mm. And so that invitation to think, that invitation to 
make the connection to yourself stays with us. And so as we tell stories, that's another invitation for people to go to that why question and say, why would that be important to me? What does that have to do with me? How does that relate to my life? So as I'm sharing with you one of my experiences that, that I learned a lesson from, you're making a stronger connection to that because you're connecting it into your experiences and how you learn. And that's much more effective than me telling you act this way because you're connecting yeah. it back into you and to how that relates to you. And so that's one of the powers of stories. And that's, that's why we picked this cover was because it's about people and it's about the way that we think. You know, it's a, I'd love to explore the fine line and, and we agreed we're going to use me as an example, just to be a bit vulnerable and, and pick this apart. You know, in coaching, working with leaders, we we learn when they tell a story, we're careful about not making it about our story. And then suddenly we've hijacked the conversation and it's going back the other way. So this is not to be confused with, oh yeah, I got one for you. This is more the delivery of information. So as a leader, let's, let's take me. I'm extroverted. I can be wordy. What are the pitfalls or blind spots that I need to be careful of in trying to deliver a story that will help teach, lead, and inspire? Yeah, I, I think the biggest, well, I'll say this, all the little pitfalls that we, we get into in storytelling basically come back to one core thing that people don't get clear on. And that is, what is the point that I'm trying to make? What is the intent of my telling this story. And I, I've seen this with leaders. They'll stand up in front of a group and they'll say, let me tell you this great story, this great experience that happened to me. And they'll go on and on and on and on with the story. And you get to the end of it and you go, okay, it was kind of an interesting story, but what's the point? What do I, what do I take away from that? And so mm. being crystal clear about what is the point that I'm trying to make here? And so I, I think about this, I'll, I'll go back into your, to your coaching business. As you're coaching leaders and maybe they say, well, I'll, I'll throw it back to you. What's one of the things yeah. that they struggle with to get their teams on board uh, about? So maybe a, well, one of your clients comes to you and say, boy, I'm having a hard time with X with my people. What, what might that be? Well, you know what? It's You've already said it without saying it. What's the intent? Helping leaders beginning with the end in mind rather than just jumping into the pool and be like, are we, are we swimming? Are we lounging? Are we scuba diving? Right. Before I jump in the pool, where am I, where am I going? And wh where, where are we, where are we headed with this? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And, and, and so think about storytelling along that journey. Storytelling can take people on that journey, but you have to know where the end is. And so one of the common mistakes that I see people make, I call it that they don't land the plane. They, they take mm -hmm. off on their story. You talked about being an extrovert. And I think this is the challenge that extroverts face in storytelling is they want to share every single detail of the story. But some of those details yeah. aren't really relevant to the end point. They might be interesting along the path, but if they don't really get you to where you want to go, you're just kind of flying the plane around looking for a place to land. And so if you know where yeah. you're going, you're going to go a little more in a straight line to get to that end objective. My wife is going to make me re-listen to this episode because one thing that she has identified 
that I have possibly inherited genetically uh, and environmentally is sometimes if we change the metaphor to a, a branch of, a, of, of an evergreen tree of a fir tree out here in, in, in British Columbia to get to the end of the branch, sometimes we, my father and I, for example, feel that the little offshoots to the story on the way to the end of the branch add context. And my wife says, I am so confused about what you're talking about. And I don't think this story is ever going to end. I see you nodding. Some of the listeners on YouTube see you nodding. <laughs> um, what sense do you make of, of that pitfall? Well, you're self-identifying one of the one of the pitfalls that's very common, and that is very common. And part of it comes from the type of story that we're talking about telling, because we're not talking about telling an epic tale. We're talking about a telling a story based on a real experience mm -hmm. that actually makes a point that you're using to teach, lead, sell, or inspire. We, I think, we get into that wandering off into the extraneous branches. Because that works great when you're sitting around telling stories at a party, when you're sitting around at a family gathering around the dinner table and you're you're swapping tales about things that have happened to you. Those are fun little details to have in there. Right. But when we're trying to make a point, they get in the way. And it's just like your wife identified. She's like, I'm distracted by these these little things. Why was that in there? What what's the point of, of bringing that there? Now, I'm actually yeah. going to turn it around because. We're talking about you as as a type, as an archetype here, who's more of an extrovert and who likes to share those things. You get the same problem with people who are a little more introverted, who get anxious about getting to the end of the story. And they forget mm. that there are key components along that story that are going to help make their point. But the problem is the same one. If they aren't clear on the point that they're trying to make, they might jump to the end of the story without getting to the relevant details along the way that are going to help make the point that they're trying to make. And so it's the same mm -hmm. problem. It's just a different manifestation of the problem, depending on the personality. Right. And so what would you say to a person that skips to the end too quickly in terms of helping them improve their ability? Well, one of the things that we teach in, in the Master Storytelling book and in our Master Storytelling workshop is a little structure to help you get there. You know, first you get clear on what is the intent? What's the purpose of the story that I'm telling? And then we have a little structure that helps people set up the beginning of the story to get the current state, to get enough information that people know where they stand right now. That's the part that's going to bring people in and say, oh, yeah, I can relate to this because of these things that happened in my life. And then you have to have some piece of conflict. There has to be an inciting incident in there where something goes awry. Something gets in the way of a goal that you're trying to accomplish. And then there mm. has to be some kind of change that happens to you at the end where you either accomplish the goal because you did something differently, or maybe you failed to accomplish the goal, but you learned what you should have done, which then becomes the cautionary tale that you can share with other people so that they don't have to go through the same struggle that you did because they're going to learn from your lesson along that way. And so it's just keeping in mind those components along there that all drive to that end goal that we're trying to get to, that when people start crafting their story, they can say, what are the points that are necessary to help get to that end point so that I'm actually having the impact that I want to teach, lead, sell, or inspire with this story? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Setting an intent, 
some sort of conflict and some sort of change that might be a success or it might be an epic fail. Both can be useful. Yeah. yeah. And, and not even epic fails. It doesn't even have to be an epic fail because a lot of times people right. are like, oh, I don't want to, especially in leadership positions, they don't, they, they don't want to stand up in front of people and share their epic fails. Well, it doesn't always have to be an epic fail. Sometimes it can be just a little bit of a stumble along the way. Uh, I, I tell mm -hmm. a story sometimes, and it's it's designed to teach the point that we create our own emotional state by the way we think. And it's a story about one day when I was driving to the airport, and I looked in the rearview mirror, and there was a police car behind me. And so what's my immediate thought that that police car is going to do behind me? They're going to pull me over. Pull you over. Yeah. So I got bugged. I got I got annoyed because I wasn't going faster than other people. And so then I thought, well, okay, maybe they're not going to do this. So I pulled over a lane. Well, the police car pulls behind me. Well, what does that do to my thoughts that that they're going to pull me over? It just reinforces it. So this starts building and building and building. And I'm thinking, fine, just pull me over already. I'm building up my argument that I'm going to have with the police officer in that situation. And I'm about to turn off to the airport. I turn to the airport. He goes the other direction. And I realized in that moment, oh, my gosh, I worked myself up all by myself. There was nothing that that police officer was doing that led me to that. They were just trying to get where they were trying to go. And mm. I created all that negative emotion inside of myself by the way I was thinking. Now, that's not an epic fail. It didn't ruin my life because I did that. But it's a learning moment where I go, boy, slow things down a little bit and don't jump to the worst conclusions. And it's a great lesson that we can pass on to other people. I like that. The story ends where nothing happens. And that's the point. And the assumptions that you were making along the way. Ah, okay. I like that. I, yeah. Well, and, and the change that about happened. the journey and the process. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so we talked about the change being an, an important element in this. And the change was me realizing, oh, I, I didn't have to do that. That was that was totally unnecessary for me to get emotionally worked up over something that I had no need to get emotionally worked up about. And so that it's a, it's a little change, but it's there. It's there at the end because there wasn't any conflict. I was making the conflict inside my head. My coaching hat just went to, you know, asking a client, tell me about a, tell me a story of a time where things didn't go away and this emotion came up in you, right? Yeah. And what can you take from that experience moving forward? So taking their own story and turning it into a fable, creating a lesson out of it, and, and also... Tell me about a time that you handled it really well and juxtaposing those too. So yeah, for my world, it's getting getting my clients to, to tell the story. It doesn't even have to come from me. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And and from from your perspective, from a coaching standpoint, let's say that I, I'm your client. I'm a leader who has a problem because the people on my team aren't trusting each other. And maybe they're not trusting each other because they're jumping to conclusions about other people's motives and, and why they're doing what they're doing. Right. Well, that would be a great time to say, well, let's think about a time where maybe that happened to you and you found out where, where you were wrong. And if I was your client, I might go to, oh, there was this time I was driving to the airport. You say, okay, now you've got a great illustration that you can give to your people that shows the problem with that way of thinking without telling them, listen up, you got to stop thinking that way. 
Yeah. You know, the yeah. story is going to lead them there. It's going to encourage them to think about that rather than telling them what to think. And the story becomes the metaphor which lowers the defensiveness of the situation versus, Mark, you were making so many assumptions yesterday in the meeting about Dave. It's like, no, Mark, remember that time you drove to the airport and that police car was following you? This is kind of, this seems like it's kind of one of those. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm yeah. much more open to accepting that because I can relate to that experience. We love stories because we live stories. We, we all let, what is our life but a collection of little stories all strung together yeah. in, in these experiences. And so I can relate to that better. So not only will I remember it better, I'll trust it more because of that relatability. Mm. And no then way. from a leadership mm -hmm. perspective, I will actually trust you more as a leader because of that relatability that this story create, creates between us. When we can use metaphor or story, it's a it's a top shelf level of of intellect. Really, it, it's deeper, and there's more trust there because it's a little bit abstract, right? Yeah. Well, and part yeah. of it has to do with some of the brain science around around storytelling too. That when you hear a well told story that has characters you can relate to, as the listener, you get an increase in oxytocin in your brain. This is the trust hormone. Mm -hmm. And so, because I can relate to your story, I can relate to your experience, suddenly we become more alike than different. And I trust what's coming from you more because of that chemical reaction that's happening inside of me as well. And so there, there's some great science behind why that actually works and is impactful. Uh, back to your uh, foundational point about command and control leadership is dead. When we stand up in front of people and say, okay, here's the facts and the figures and the data and the process, and you do this and you follow this, that chemically, that doesn't do anything for people. It, it, it puts them in a very yeah. dull, neutral, neutral or lower state. But when I can say, this is what we need to do, and here's why. Let me tell you the story of what's going to happen when we do. Well, now... I'm connected with that. I'm engaged with that. I remember it better. I trust it more. But there's all sorts of these positive impacts that come from teaching and leading with story rather than just command and control. Let's stay here on the on the brain science and the neuroscience a little bit because that is compelling for 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 many people. And it, the outro, the brain behaves very differently when encouraged to think rather than told to listen. No, 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 it actually does, right? It actually does. <laughs> that's, yeah. not, that's not an outro. That's a neuroscience statement that in coaching when a client arrives at the conclusions that they need to on their own versus a consultant telling them what to do, a team member arriving at their own conclusion after hearing a metaphor, a fable, or a story, there is actually, as you described it, that release of the trust hormone, a chemical reaction that deepens the trust and the trust being the foundation of Patrick Lencioni's five dysfunctions of a team. So it actually, it actually starts here, doesn't it? This, this is the foundation, this, you know, I imagine in change management when things need to be different, that's scary for a lot of people, you know? Yeah. What are you picking yeah. up that I'm laying down? 
Yeah, I, I, I'm picking it up all over the place. There, there's great research done um, by Uri Hassan. I always forget which university he he's from, so I'm not going to try to state it because I'll probably state it wrong. But he did this great tracking with functional MRI and had a, a storyteller and a story listener, and he tracked their brain functions as the the storyteller was telling the story to the listener. And what he found mm -hmm. was. At the beginning, they were just kind of randomly going around. And as the storyteller started to tell their story, the listener started tracking in their brain patterns right behind the storyteller. But the farther the story went along, the closer those two got. Wow. To, to the point that they were almost in sync with each other as the listener started anticipating where the story was going. I'm telling you that story about driving to the airport and the police car behind me. And you're going, oh, yeah, I can see the emotions building up. I can feel that building up with you. And all of a sudden, our brains start tracking a little closer together. Think about that from a principle standpoint as a leader. Because you're trying to get people in sync. Telling them to get in sync is probably going to be less effective than leading them there with a great story that teaches the principle that you're trying to get across. For the listeners who have been following other episodes, we often talk about being aligned, helping teams get aligned so that they can collaborate in sync, getting the, the listener and the speaker in sync, getting the team in sync. I mean, there's a synonym, right? Helping people get aligned so that they can then go and do the thing that they're about to do. I really like that. And, and my little branches my offshoots i imagine might fragment that that mri uh, the listener is starting to lose track of where we're at and so those brain patterns are getting out of sync if i'm not careful right yeah and i love the connection you just made with that little branch analogy that you were looking at earlier if our brains start to get in sync and then you start going someplace that's not actually taking us down the path that we're trying to get to all of a sudden that synchronicity is going to lose, is going to, is going to get lost. And we're going to lose that connection with each other and, and to have to bring them back. And so that's, yeah. that's part of the point of really being clear on what's the point that I'm trying to make and what's the straight line path that's going to get me there. So let's use metaphor, continue with the metaphor. If send, if the story is getting the water in the branch to the tip, and suddenly my tangents in my story start to divert the water down the wrong branches, right? The offshoots, yeah. the water gets stuck in those branches because it's being forced, you know, by more and the water doesn't get to the end of the branch, the desired end, the intent, the intent was to get the water to the end of the branch. And instead we spread it out on all these different branches. Yeah. And, and, and I'm a great metaphor geek. Uh, I, I, I love metaphor. And things like that. So just following along that line, how do you make sure that that water goes straight down the line in that branch? Well, you got to prune the tree. So you're going to prune off that extraneous information yeah. so that your path is more direct to get to the point that you're trying to make. There's, I don't know where the title is here, Mark, in the episode, but my takeaway is right there, connecting story and metaphor, your example, as the leader in this situation to the neuroscience, yeah. back to the metaphor, that's uh, that's going to stick with me. And I hope there's a listener out there for whom that's sticky as well. That Oh, God, now I'm getting into puns if I'm talking about 
sap on the stick. Okay, we're not going. We're not going to puns. Yeah, let's we're not get too sappy on this, this, Nick. No, okay, we're leaving that out. <laughs> okay, so I have a question. I tend to do the thinking for the story listener sometimes. I.e., I tell the story and then I tell them the lesson in the story. Yeah. One of the things that we teach is the power of questions in stories. And so mm-hmm. we, we we tend when we're telling stories, say, oh, I've got this great story. Let me tell it to you start to finish and I'm going to get you all along the way. But think about the power of pausing and saying, have you ever had that situation or have you ever been in a similar situation to that? Because now all of a sudden you're in your own version of that story rather than in it with me. And then getting to the end and say, what do you take away from that? What, what do you learn from my experience there? Or what do you learn from that example that I was trying to get there? Now, the, the danger you run, sometimes people say, well, what if they come up with a, an answer that I didn't expect or the answer that I wasn't trying to get to? Well, I think that's okay. You can let them know. Yeah, I think that's a great lesson to, to learn from that. Now, let me tell you what my lesson is. And it's going to connect those two lessons together for them as they're thinking about that. We have a whole chapter in the book around asking good questions as you're telling stories to help Mm. draw people in and bring them in. So it's not just your experience they're listening to. They're basically standing beside you. I I, I was I was talking with um, with somebody a a couple of weeks ago who was a, a big baseball nut and loves baseball. And I was telling this experience that I had coaching a T-ball team when my son was six years old. And I finished the story and we talked about the lesson of it. And he looked at me and he said, I felt like I was standing right next to you there on the baseball diamond. I was right there with you. That's the power of story is that you're putting people into their, into that story with you. And that's what makes it so memorable. That's what makes it so sticky for them is because their brains have connected into their life experiences and their backgrounds so that they're making that story their own. Mm, mm. I added my facilitator hat on here for a second. And I thought, you know, that question might be useful after the story. Now turn to your partner and share with each other what resonated in the story might be a safer play in the, there's room, there's room for both, right? There's room to hear from the room and there's time to let people do their own thinking before they hear from from somebody else as well, because it's going to might mean something slightly different to each listener, which is, yeah. which is also useful. Well, and, and there's times when you're telling a story to a larger audience where you can't even get that level of interaction. I mean, if I'm a business leader, I'm right. standing in front of the entire company and I've got 500 people out there who are listening to me. I may not want to stop and get responses from a bunch of people as to what they were, what they were thinking, but I can ask it as a rhetorical question and it has the same impact. By asking that rhetorical question, say, okay, where are you going with this? What what do you learn or what do you take away from this? Yeah. Give them a pause to think about that and say, here's my big takeaway. But now they've already internalized and they're open to the lesson that's mm-hmm. coming out of that. The, this, this goes back to the human brain being curious. When we are asked a question, our brain wants to answer it. Our brains yeah. die in to answer that question. And just just try that with somebody sometime. You know, ask them what uh, what are the last three meals you ate. Well, I'll say right now, 
right now, your brain is trying to go to, what did I have for lunch? What did I have for breakfast? What did I have for dinner last night? <laughs> it's almost like you can't stop it hmm. because our brain is naturally curious. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What do you say to the leader who overuses story where people say, oh, here it goes again. Here he goes again with another one of his stories. What, what's, the, what's the art of this? Yeah, I'll go back to the same the same core problem that I brought up earlier is you're not being really clear about intent. If you're overusing story, you're probably using story for, to, for everything, for everything you just in your natural conversation. And so mm -hmm. that's probably not doing it with intent. And so use it, use it for the purposes you need to use it for. You don't need to, to tell a story about every little thing. I mean, if, um, if there's a, an adjustment in a time for the meeting to start, Hey, we're going to start at three o'clock instead of two o'clock. Well, you don't need to tell a story around why it's changing from uh, from two o'clock from two o'clock to three o'clock. You can just tell the information. And so, nice. I, yeah, you're right. It can be overused as as any skill, as any good skill. Uh, it it can be overused. So just be thoughtful about when do I need this to teach, lead, sell, and inspire. And so, if you think about those things, mm. teach, lead, sell, and inspire. This is when you use story. You don't use it just to convey information. Can be used to convey some information, but you want to really have that that goal out there. Teach, lead, sell, and inspire. Yeah. That's that's why yeah. we use those words all the time. Yeah, it's like if the story is a machete, uh, making sure that that machete is super sharp, so you only need one swing every now and then, versus going into that jungle with a dull one and just whacking the hell out of every every piece of green branch that you see yeah, yeah and, and i can carry that analogy farther too which is that as you keep using that machete what's going to happen to it it's going to start getting a little yeah. dull right right so yeah. be intentional about thinking in in how you use your stories because if you overuse the story too much, it's going to get dull with people and people are going to go, oh, yeah, here goes that same story again. We all yeah. know that one. We know that from, from family interactions where you have that one family member, you know, maybe it's that crazy uncle who's like, oh, there goes the uncle again. He's telling this same wild story. And all of a sudden it starts losing its impact. And so yeah. think about how and why you're telling that story and just keep focused on having a good intent, a good purpose that you're using the story for. Yeah. Being intentional. You just said that being intentional, having the intent. That's it's it's uh this is calculated. This is prepared. This isn't always just off the cuff. This is the branch has been pruned in advance, not while yeah, it, you're in the tree. Yeah, right, right, right. I'm sorry. And I didn't mean to interrupt you there, Nate, but you can tell I get excited about this a little bit. And it's that intentionality that makes the storytelling that we talk about different than just telling a story sitting around the dinner table. And, and those yeah. are great. Yeah. They have their place. But when we talk about storytelling, particularly in a business setting and as a leadership tool, we're talking about intentionally using it to help you meet your goals, to help you accomplish your purposes, to help you lead your team, and not to help manipulate your team, to actually lead them where they need to go so that they can succeed and they can be successful. That mm -hmm. is leadership. It's when mm -hmm. you're using the tools at your disposal to help your teams be more successful. 
And storytelling is one of those tools that's there, it's available, that probably is underutilized in leadership settings. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Couple more questions for you, Mark. As you've shared this book and as you shared this work with people in the world, what is the what has surprised you? Wow, that's a great question. And I, 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 it's hard to come up with the answer of what surprised me as I shared it, because most of the things that came as surprises were the surprises I got in creating it. And, and to that. me, some of the biggest surprises I got in creating it was the, the brain science behind it and how it's there intuitively we know story works we know story is impactful but when i got into the research and I realized there is brain science that says why this happens and why this works and it's real that opened my eyes and and i i would say that as we share that with other people that's uh that's an aha for them as well that there are reasons that that story works uh, the other thing I'd say is the more that I open this up to other people, the more they come back with ways that they've used stories that I hadn't thought of. I, I was talking a few months ago with a sales professional uh, that we've worked with in master storytelling. And when we talk to sales professionals, I, I think of it mostly in terms of as you talk to your clients, what's the story of the product? Not just the features and the benefits and the facts about it and the pricing and all this stuff, the company background or how it was developed, but what's the story that they can relate to that shows the benefit to them that, they, that the client mm -hmm. can connect to? Well, he mentioned to me, I have used storytelling in talking to my manager. So when I have my my monthly calls with my manager to see how things are going instead of just saying, well, this client has delayed their sale and this client's uh, going to do something different. I tell them the story. I say, this client's delaying because they've had this experience and this experience and this experience, and they want to make sure that they get this right. And, I, and as I lay out the reasons, my manager is much more open to some of the challenges that I'm facing rather than just giving the manager information. And I thought that was fascinating. I had not thought of that as a way to use story in sales, but for this sales uh, executive, this is really important to him and it worked really well. Nice, nice. Final question. In writing this book, in launching the business, in sharing your message with the world, what has been the biggest impact on you personally through all this? I think the biggest impact is the word we keep coming back to uh, in our time together, and that is intentional. It's being intentional about looking for experiences that can teach, lead, and inspire, and then crafting them intentionally into stories that can do that. And so it's being very deliberate about that, not just, oh, there's there's a story that maybe randomly popped up, but really looking in our in my life for those experiences that can be good stories to teach, lead and inspire. Like just yesterday, uh, I, I had an experience where I was leading a, a trainer certification and uh, the, the last part of it was that all the participants had to teach back a portion of the content. Well, as we were gathering up for the day, one of the participants looked at the, the trainer guide of the other 
participant and they had post-it notes all over it with all sorts of notes and directions on what they should say for their segment. And this person said, oh no, I, I didn't make that many notes. And I said, you need that many notes? Said, I don't know, but that, but that looks like such a good idea now. And I, I thought about that and I haven't really crafted this into a good story yet, but there's a key point there. Because the thing that I said to her is, mm -hmm. you do you. There are so many different ways to do this. And that's the same way with storytelling. There's a structure to it, but we're all going to do it a little bit differently. Now, if I wasn't intentional about looking around my life for stories that teach great lessons, I probably would have missed that moment. And so that I think is one of the biggest takeaways that I've had and that I've yeah. applied for myself is to just be really intentional about looking for those moments that teach great lessons. Listeners, I hope you enjoyed that candid conversation with Mark Carpenter, author of Master Storytelling. You can find the book and Mark at masterstorytelling.com. That's master-storytelling.com. He's based in Utah. What a great guy. And I so appreciated his time. And my biggest takeaway there was making the connections to uh, between the, the neuroscience storytelling and the trust that that trust hormone uh, as trust being the foundation of everything that we do as leaders in all the roles that we play in our lives thanks for listening thanks for listening to leading with curiosity please share follow and rate the show so that other leaders can make positive change in the world connect with nate at natelesley.ca and remember the brain behaves very differently when encouraged to think rather than told to listen.